Seniors 2010. Josh, you messed us up, brother. That's great. That's a lot of fun. Hey, all the seniors, if you're in this service, would y'all stand up? We want to acknowledge your presence. Is uh, Kayla was, uh, there we go. Are, are you graduating right now? I, I, you are? I didn't rock. Man, bless you. Here's what I want to, here's what, that's right. You're the basketball queen. Here's what I want y'all to do. I want y'all to gather around all the people that are standing. Would many of you just begin to go in and touch that person on the shoulder and pray for them? We want to pray for them, acknowledge their lives right now, and thank God for their parents and for the students and what they're doing. This would be an awesome thing. Father, thank you, Lord, for the young men and young woman that has just stood up. Lord, we acknowledge their presence, Lord, for their lives. We thank you, Father, for their commitments to Christ Jesus. Father, we pray that you would prosper their lives. Lord, order their steps. Father, I pray for the universities and for the things that they have in front of them to receive them. And uh, Father, I thank you for the investment. Thank you for Jason and Amanda and the team that have poured in the last three years spiritually and uh, socially, relationally into their lives. Father, encourage them, build them up as warriors for Christ Jesus. And Father, just thank you for today. Lord, we bless them and honor them in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, y'all can be seated. Thanks for praying for these young men and women today. Well, I want to ask you a question today. As you're returning to your seats, are there any reality TV fans out there? Okay, wait a minute. Let me ask it another way. You can still go to heaven if you're a reality TV fan. Are there any reality TV fans out there? Yeah, see a few more of you like, man, I'm not going to confess that in church. I might go to hell. No, no, I, I don't think so. But there are probably some reality TV shows we don't need to be watching. Well, today there's a general theme. It's from the Gospel of John. How I've been, John is my favorite gospel. I've taught it many times. I've read it hundreds of times. And this spring, without knowing it, I preached John 15, 17, 19, and I think 20, 21, and it just happened. And now God's taking me back to John 2. And uh, so I've kind of done it in a kind of indirect, crazy way. In John 2, there's a a great passage, but I want to set this up first with the whole reality thing because we're going to talk about weddings today and miracles. Uh, There's this uh, reality TV shows, and there's some that are all around the theme of weddings. And I'm just curious if, if you've heard or maybe participated Say yes to the dress. Girls love that one, don't you? The wedding's so much about the dress for so many of us. Say yes to the dress. The next one would be wedding cake wars. Isn't that a great one? Uh, Last weekend, I did a big wedding. And Matt and Lauren, that have been a part of our fellowship, she kind of know Christ just before they got to our church. They grew in Christ, did their wedding last weekend. He's headed to med school. She's going to be a physical therapist. They have a long road in front of them. But they had this beautiful wedding. And at the reception, she did what she shouldn't do, but what I love to watch. Lots of commotion. She got the chocolate cake, and she smeared it all over her husband. And what's he going to do except retaliate? But it was really a fun event for them. The next one is my favorite, Brazilla. I mean, you know, isn't that a great name for a reality show? And then the other one, if you're from Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, my big redneck wedding. You ever, you ever seen that one? I mean, that is one you cannot show on the screen. You know what I'm saying? But it, it's gross. But uh, I watched it one time just to see how ridiculous weddings could get. And they can get pretty ridiculous. Well, in this particular setting, Jesus shows up at a wedding. I remember 31 years ago this August, I walked out. My wife walked for me and we got married. 
polyester tucks and all. It is nasty. I go back and I look at those pictures today and I laugh. I go, that's the way people looked in the 70s. If you got married then, you look like that too. So, and it's always funny because as you get modern day and people get married, you go, oh, you're so beautiful. The pictures are just fabulous. And everybody's bragging. And I go, yeah, just wait. It'll, it'll change. And, uh, but help me, Jesus, in that situation. But here, there's a wedding, and it's in Cana of Galilee. Jesus is all over the land there in Israel, and he's moving across the Jordan now. He's moving over into Cana, and then he settles over here in this suburb about five to seven miles out of the town. But he begins to set up here, and he does this great, great feat, this great deal, a miracle. I want you to stand for the reading of God's holy word this morning, and we're going to look at John chapter 2 together, God's holy word. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana and Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. A very common theme of scripture. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. So they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. And he did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This is the first of his miraculous signs and Jesus performed at Cana of Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. You can be seated. God's text, God's word for this morning. Weddings are important to Jesus. I invite Jesus to come to every wedding that I go to, that I perform, that I'm a part of. I believe a wedding, it can be a civil contract. A justice of the peace can do a wedding, but I believe the wedding is so much more. It is a spiritual union between a man and a woman and covenant relationship. And God's people said, amen. It's just so much more. And God loves to go to weddings. And Jesus certainly crowns this wedding with his presence in Cana of Galilee as we've read. But I've got a message question. How do you take bold steps to be a fully devoted, wholehearted follower of Jesus? What action steps, bold steps, do you have to take to be sold out? What steps do you have to take to be different than you are today? What steps are you going to take that are going to result in, convey to the world that the power of God is transforming your life through Jesus Christ, your Lord? Bold steps. Now, I want to hammer that because I want us to get it because there's these bold steps. They're called defining moments in your life, and they, they shape your future. They shape who you are. They allow the grace of God to be unleashed in and working in you that it might go through you to touch a lost and dying world. We are being coached by the Holy Spirit. We're being transformed by the work of God when we allow that. But here in the scripture that we read, no more wine. The wine supply has ended. The wine supply is out. Things are looking really tough, dismal. In that day, you could be fined 
for not having wine at the wedding party, having enough wine. You could also be a social outcast, social humiliation, because you didn't have all the proper stuff at the wedding. So it's an amazing thing. So Jesus shows up here, and and we're going to see that Mary involves her son. She involves Jesus to be a part of this. But let's move through this, because here it is. In earlier John, it says, Look, behold, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. There's a, a declaration from John about who Jesus is. And then Jesus begins to build his band of believers, his small group, his men, his disciples, and they follow him for three years in a public ministry. And back and forth, they cross this river region. But there's this big event that shows up. It's called the wedding. And today, weddings are big events. For most of you, your wedding was a big day. Now, some of you say, well, Keith, I was married at the courthouse. It was not that big of a deal. Believe me. For many of you are like, man, I took depressants leading up to that moment. I took medicine. I didn't sleep. I was nervous. We spent lots of money. We had anxiety. We, we cr- uh, freaked out everybody we knew. And the church said... Okay, a few of you said that. Okay, must be one coming up. There he is. I heard that. Amen. I'll leave it alone. But the bottom line is, and here's what I know when I went to Israel in 1999. I was observing culture because I was so intrigued because I wanted to walk where Jesus walked. I wanted to read the scripture different in light of where Christ Jesus had had his ministry. And I walked into those wonderful sites that I've read in pages many times before and since. And it revolutionized how I read scripture. I also observed the Jewish people and I observed the culture of Israel. But there was something that as we would check in, we would, I was on this preacher's tour and we would check into hotels and they kept us in really nice places. And I kept noticing this event, this big event happened in every hotel we showed up. It'd be like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They were having weddings. Then that never happens in America. You know, here we usually get married on Saturday. Some will get married on a Sunday. When we got married 31 years ago, Friday night weddings were popular. Then they're making a little comeback. But usually people get married on Saturday. But they were getting married like every day of the week. And it was, and here's what else I learned about Jewish culture. The wedding would last five to seven days. Some of you are going, praise God we ended that. Yeah, I I got that t-shirt. The other thing is, the wedding took place at the groom's home at his door. Another thing happened, we reversed culture. The groom's parents paid for the wedding. All the folks in here that have girls went, amen. But it ain't going to happen in this life, okay? We've already reversed that. And it's a cool thing. But they were having these weddings and everybody was going and, and I was watching, uh, Israel Jewish weddings and man, they celebrate and I go to weddings today and they're just, um, social, uh, festivities. They're occasions of great joy. Uh, here's what I've noticed. It's, it's kind of funny. I notice when you get married, let me, this is a little tip for all you girls that long to be married one day. I encourage you to get married kind of earlier in the day or I encourage you to get married later in the day if it's in the spring and summer months because people will be late to your wedding. Do you know what I'm talking about? As I'm in the front of the church, I always watch all these people come in late. It's because they they can't figure out like, well, look, you got married at 2 o'clock. You got married at 3. I just wasn't off the golf course. I wasn't through cutting the yard. Anyway, that's just free. I thought I'd give that to you. Okay. But here it is. No more wine. And there's this upset. So Mary addresses Jesus we got a problem. Houston, we got a problem. He, he didn't say Houston. She didn't say Houston. But hey, things have run out. There's no supply. I, I, we're going to be humiliated. I mean, things are not looking good. It was like she was the social wedding coordinator. Last weekend, 
I've seen this woman many times, but I didn't, I don't know how I forgot. I'll never forget it again. I saw her and she walked out and she goes, hi, weddings by Jill. And I want to go, hi, gospel by Keith. But, but I didn't do that. But the thing was, this girl is a wedding planner. She's extraordinary. She orchestrates, she sachets, she directs, she, uh, organizes everything except me that was kind of hard to do and i watched her and she did a, every wedding i've ever been to she does a great job and i asked jill a question i didn't go weddings by jill i said jill i have a question she goes what i said i'm just curious how many weddings are you going to do this year she says well pastor she goes between this wedding today and october i will do 30 weddings and I went, ka-ching! No, I didn't say that loud. I just thought. I thought, wow, this is a good business, you know. But she's very professional. She does an excellent job. Oh, here it is. Mary might have been that social wedding director to get everything going. And the wine runs out. And things are going south very, very quickly. And she doesn't know what to do. And she's, I think she's disturbed, but she knows. I don't know that she knew Jesus was going to do a miracle, but she just knew that Jesus was going to do something. She just knew that he would do something so I want us to notice from Scripture, what does he do? I want you to write this in your notes because it's not there. But it's, it's critical that we understand this in the context of biblical Christianity and what Christ teaches and models. Jesus took time for the social. Write it in. Jesus took time for a wedding. He took time for a party. He thought it was significant. Jesus is the friend of sinners. Jesus came to save that which was lost. Jesus is all about people today and forever. And in this, him and the disciples, as busy as they were from town to town and all things that he did, the Bible says that Jesus and the disciples took in this gala event. So it lets me and you know Christ is interested about what you and I do. Now listen, I want you to get this. This is critical. This is a key teaching I want to give you right now. I want you to integrate the social and the spiritual where notoriously we don't know what I'm talking about. We do it like this. It's a social event. It's a spiritual event. It's a social event. It's a religious event. And we keep them like this. We come to church. We worship God. We go to the social. We do less than worship. And Jesus says, I've come to invite you to take me into all the context of life that life somehow integrates. And the body said... We take Christ to weddings. We take Christ to the mall. We take him to the movies. You're like, Jesus don't want to go to the movies, I see. Then don't go to those movies. You know what I'm saying, church? You say, well, Jesus don't want to go some of the places I go. You ought to ask yourself, would Jesus go here? Okay, let's move down here. Here's the first point. Bold steps are often initiated by big problems. I've, I've taught you this over and over. If you are a candidate for a miracle, you have to have a problem. There's a problem. There's no wine. The wedding's not going well. You're sick. You're diseased. You're alone. You're depressed. You're despondent. You're discouraged. You've drifted. You're out and out. You've tubed spiritually. You're physically dying. You're physically ill. You're relationally, you're an outcast. I don't know what it is. Jesus wants to show up there this morning and meet you at your point of need. But there's a problem. So what does Jesus do? He does something about it. But there's a question that I want us to think about today. Do you expect Jesus Christ to come to this place when we gather in Jesus' name? It's not rhetorical. Do you expect Christ Jesus, the Lord of glory, to show up in this room when we gather in his mighty name? Yes. There's an expectation. 
invitation that you bring to worship. Next weekend, let me say this clear as I know how, we are going to start at 10 o'clock. Be here seated, ready to worship the king. Amen? Amen? Don't come running in here. Oh, pastor, I couldn't find the dog. The hamster got out. Let the hamster go. Come on. Let's get to church. Let's be here. 10 o'clock. Some of you come here at 9 o'clock. You'll make it by 945. But let's worship Jesus. We're going to be in one accord. Let's say, Lord Jesus, we're expecting your presence to fall. You see, God meets with people that expect him to show up. But let me show you the other side. There's also unmet expectations. Do you have unmet expectations you brought to worship today? Jesus has not seemed to show up in that situation. You're alone. You want to be married and you're not married and you don't think Christ hears your prayer? Or the one that I hear more than I want and I'll hear more? Pastor, my wife and I are unable to have children. Would you pray for a miracle for us? It's destroying our union. Keith, I'm sick. I have cancer. They've not given me long to live. So there's unmet and there's met expectations in the house of worship. So what are they brought? A job and you didn't get it? A better financial position at the company and it didn't happen? A marriage and it hasn't come? But I say in all things, let's learn from our mistakes. Let's learn from our past and go forward. But there's a great passage in 1 Peter. It's found right here. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. A key text that is worth you being here today besides the worship of Christ. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong and steadfast. I want you to circle one word. After. After you have suffered a while. That's for the house of faith. We will suffer But we must endure through the suffering. And after you, friend, after I have suffered for a while, for a season, I was reading in my quiet time this weekend, there is a time, there is a season under heaven for everything. There is a season for everything. Here it is. After you have suffered. See, I'm so tired of people propagating a false, unbiblical gospel. You will suffer as a Christ follower. Can I? Does anybody understand that now? You're going to suffer. You go, but I follow Jesus. I love Jesus. And I'm starving. I'm, I'm discouraged. I'm hurting. Things are going south. You're going to suffer during your spiritual life. I don't know where we got off trying to teach that if you're a Christ follower, you don't suffer. That's not what Peter said. He says, after a while, and then look what it says. And it says, then, after, after. You know, you don't get that job bonus. But after, whatever, God restores. He supports and he strengthens you. That's a word, church. Man, God is going to come to you and me, and after I suffer for a season, he will restore me again. Hallelujah. Somebody came to hear that word today because you have run out of hope, and hope is always found in Christ, not in your circumstance. You're, but here it is. So the wine reminds us of the emptiness of life. These, uh, these situations, there's, there, there's water pots. I brought these up as a couple illustrations today. And let's say they would hold 20 to 30 gallons of water. 
And the Jews would pull these out for purification, for ceremonial washing. And they were washing for the external, for the extremities of the body. And they were constantly washing. And Jesus said, okay, take the water pots. 20 to 30 gallons of water. Six of them. That's 120. That's 180 gallons of water. And he says, fill them up. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. That is quite a wedding party to give somebody 180 gallons. You're probably like, hey, you don't drink anymore. You don't need anymore. Don't need I'm taking this home. But a lot, a, a, a gift here. And Christ says, this is my, my gift. Or he's saying, I, I want to do something. I'm, I'm going to do something for the people here. And then was a look at this. Look, look at point one. Look to Jesus. Mary, she looks to Jesus. She doesn't look to the other disciples. She doesn't look to the to the uh, the groom. She doesn't look to the bride. She looks to Jesus, and she just goes, "Jesus." He says, "Woman," and you're saying, "He said, woman." He was being disrespectful. He was not. It was just like saying, "Ma'am, my time has come on." What's the scripture say? My time has not yet come. It's not time yet. And he says this over and over in the Gospels. But I guess she, she's really anxious. She's, she's suffering for a while. She's like, Lord, come. It's like she's lost hope. Here's what I think in 2010. People look to something besides Jesus. They look to their credit card. And it'll satisfy me. It'll sustain me. It will not. In my office with our counselor, Cad Bill and others, they'll tell you credit card debt will run you. It'll send you off the chain. It'll wreck your life. There's no freedom in debt. And the church said, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll press. I feel it. Amen. But I'm going to debt as soon as I leave here. I'm going to charge everything at McDonald's. Don't get a Happy Meal if you got to charge it, okay? Go find something else. Okay. That's just free. Okay. Here it is. Well, I'll take a pill. Well, I'll take some drugs. I'll numb it. Hey, I had a procedure last Friday, and we'll leave that between me and my wife and the doctor. But he, he gave me my anesthesiologist. He says, man, he says, pastor, he says, let me tell you something. This is what killed Michael Jackson. And I looked at him. He says, but when you do this properly, it is a great drug. I laid there on that bed. And, you know what I mean? He just told me that. I'm thinking, oh, great comfort are you. Blessed are you. Like, Lord Jesus, I'm ready to meet you any minute. And all I remember was he says, now, lay here on your side. And in 15 seconds, you'll remember no more. The only thing is, I remember when I woke up, my sweet bride's standing there holding my hand. Hey, babe. I said, doctor, come in. She said, you've been talking to him. You've been thanking him five times. I said, I ain't even seen the man. You know, it was a pretty good drug. But here it is. But here's all I'm saying. But it was a quick acting. Here's what it is. You don't look to drugs. You don't look to pills. You don't look to credit cards. You don't look to women. You don't look to men. You don't look to gambling. You look to Jesus. Amen. Christ, I want you. You're, you're the one. But, you know, I want you to see point two. This is critical. Do what he says for you to do. Bill Heibel said it in a beautiful way. Bill said, obey the whispers of the Holy Spirit. Those inner promptings of the Holy Spirit, when they reveal, when they speak, listen. Do what he says to do. But what we'll do is sometimes we'll obey it and we get blessed. And other times we'll choose to ignore and we argue. And you know what I've learned about when you argue with the Holy Spirit? He pouts and he gets mean and he backs off. Does not. Holy Spirit's God. He's stable. He's strong one. You know what happens when you ignore the Holy Spirit? You get mean, 
get miserable. You withdraw. You get out of fellowship. You pull away. Your abundant, joyful life diminishes because you ignore the promptings of God. So God, in, in this thing, I want us to, let me t- give you a verse, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. I love this. Remember many years ago when I started reading this verse, every Bible I've got, I've got to highlight it. I love this. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I'll hear a voice. You'll hear a voice if you know God. And it will say, walk this way. It's not Aerosmith. It was God's way. You know what I'm saying? I, that just came to me. I'm sorry. I, I, until, thank you, Mark. All of us, a group in the sand is like, walk this way. Yeah. I'm sorry. Help me, Jesus. I, I, don't, I don't know what happened to me. I, okay, let me get back to the text. Okay. Walk. Walk in the ways of God. Walk in the way of Jesus. Ignore the whisper and no damage to your soul. Ignore the promptings of God and know the damage that will come to the soul. So we have to do whatever he tells us to do. We hear the whisper of God. We stop. And we listen. And hopefully we'll courageously find resolve from the Holy Spirit to step up and do what Christ tells us to do. You're a faithful God. We take a bold step. Let me tell you right now. There's some bold steps. I'm going to invite people to give their heart to Jesus Christ this morning. I'm going to invite you to follow Jesus Christ in baptism if you've never done that. Next weekend, we're having baptisms. I wanted to come to tell you the Troy venue where I've been teaching all year. We finished up last weekend. Four young men and women, two men, two women, one big football player wanted to meet with me after last week. They're coming here next weekend. They want to come to this fellowship. They want to be a part of what we're doing, and they want to acknowledge Jesus Christ and be baptized next Sunday morning. Hallelujah. Then there's a young girl. Her daddy sits back there in the tech booth. Her mama's somewhere in the room. Their little girl prayed to receive Jesus Christ this week, and she wants to follow Jesus. Hallelujah. But, Jeff, you don't know this. After the last service, young woman right here that sings beautifully, Jennifer, her and her daughter walked up to me. And their daughter prayed at the cross this morning with her grandfather to receive Jesus Christ. And she asked me today, I want to follow Christ in baptism. <laughs> Amen. So last time I called, that's six. Today, the Holy Spirit is whispering to some of you to follow Christ next weekend. I don't care if I even preach next weekend. I'm going to preach on baptism. I'd rather just ex- uh, observe and participate in baptism. How about you? That would just be the coolest thing, just worship and pray and baptize. But some of you need to obey that inner prompting of the Holy Spirit and quit pushing him away. Another one is you might need to confess a cherished sin and forsake it, and that's your bold step. Another one is you might need to witness to a neighbor. I, I've been thinking about this. We need to witness to our neighbors, and people are moving into our neighborhoods, and so other people just live there, and they hit their garage door, and they go in their backyard. We never see them. We need to be bold. We need to witness. We need to invite them to a 10 o'clock service and, and go by and pick them up or whatever. But then I know what you're thinking. neighbor they're odd okay i got to thinking about this maybe we're the odd ones 
I was looking in the mirror the other day and God said, you know, you think they're odd. Maybe you're the odd one. I said, okay, welcome to the house of oddity. All I'm saying is we need to step out and to witness boldly in the social settings and invite people to our worship if we believe in the God that saves. Amen? Amen. And as this energy and synergy builds in one service, it'll just get better and greater. And where we find ourselves in the marketplace, we're just inviting because we believe Jesus is the best deal that's ever come down the road. Folks, there is no better than Jesus. He saved my soul. Bruce, are you in the house right now? Bruce, hold it over here. I love Bruce. Bruce and Sherry helped us start this church from the very beginning. And he's got one of the most godly mom and daddies I've ever met. Dr. Holden is dying of cancer. His dad. I want you to pray for Bruce. But you know what? I've heard his daddy declare his faith so many times, and it's all because of Jesus. I just told Bruce that. I said, Bruce, here's all the word I can tell you. You go spend every time you can with your daddy till he dies. I know that experientially. But here's the great news. Jesus conquers death. Hallelujah. Is that good news? You're saying, well, amen. Are you trying to scare us to Jesus? I don't really care what it takes to get you to Jesus. I mean, I don't want to scare you. I'd rather grace you to the cross. But for some of you, maybe you need a good scare. I don't know. How about when you hear about these hurricanes and these, these devastations that hit, do you, do you contemplate eternity? Did you know Ecclesiastes says that God put eternity in the hearts of all men? He put that in our hearts to, to think about, about our creator, about our sin, about a redeemer. So let's move here. So we take a bold step. And there, in, in verse 11, there's words in the Greek, works, powers, wonder, sign, there is a revelation of truth. I, I want you to look at, uh, let me find it real quick. Look there at John verse, chapter 2, verse 11. This is the first of the miraculous signs there at Cana. Jesus performed at Cana of Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples then put their faith in him. Something significant happened as his glory came forth. When we meet and we entertain and embrace his glory. He reveals himself. And the third point, and then he tells them with the water pots, he says, and fill them up. Man, take those ceremonial pots and fill them to the top. Let them lap. Jesus came to give us abundant life that comes in and overflows. Some of you are just walking around 20% filled, 30% filled. Christ wants to fill you. Be ye filled with the Holy Spirit daily. Oh, Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. And the third point is, be a part of the solution. You know, Mary knew they had a problem, and she identified, and she looked to Jesus. And then she knew she had to get others involved. And, and as Christ says, she says, do whatever he tells you to do. Be a part. The workers, you know who the miracle was first revealed to? The workers. They got revealed grace. They got this, be a part of the mission. Jesus could Jesus just could have said, hey, pots, fill. And they went, blah, 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 blah cool but no he chose to use people and those water that water and the workers knew there was water in the pots because they poured the water but then it became wine and you know what you used to be like this but now you're like that because you're in jesus christ amen Amen. christ he makes all things new he does all things excellent but sometimes we're casual about our faith and god wants us to go for more the joy that gives us everlasting sustaining life and jesus brings fullness here where there was once emptiness christ fills so i'm asking you today what is the bold action step of faith you need to take for god to fill your life 
Is it to give your heart to Christ? Is it to be baptized? Is it to witness? Is it to read your Bible? Is it to forgive somebody? Because you see, just to sit around and not have your pot, your temple filled is not sufficing what the Father requests. Fill us, Lord. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. Fill us with the goodness of God. I want to be contagious. How many of you want to be zealous and contagious for God and his, the things of God? That is going to touch a city. People will go, wow, I don't know. They've been transformed by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. But it's a decision. It's a bold step being bold for Christ. We used to sing a song. That song I love. He is awesome in this place. How I long for the season of his glory to return like I've seen before. How I long to see people weep over their Savior in their sin. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Would you join your pastor in weeping for that and praying for that again? Be awesome in this place, Lord Jesus, when we gather week in and week out. But be awesome in my heart every day as I live for you. Don't let shame hold you back any longer and fear and discouragement move today. Elders are going to move over to the cross. There might be some people that just want to go and confess sin and cry out to Christ and make Jesus Lord. Will you join Christ and be a part of his miracle, the miracle of changing your life? It's the greatest miracle I've ever seen is change lives. Bow your heads. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I take authority over this room and over shame and fear and pride and strongholds that hold people back from giving more. And I pray by the grace of Jesus Christ, we would be victorious and overcomers and we would yearn and long for more of you, Jesus. Give freedom today from addictions, Lord Jesus. There are addictions in this house that have held people back. There are people that need to be baptized. May they let go of their fear and tradition. Lord, whatever it is, give strength. We have suffered, O oh Lord. Maybe they've suffered long enough. Now it is time to return. Now it is time to be restored. For Jesus calls you to that place. In the name of Jesus Christ, who is the authority and the power and the joy for life, he is here today. And he will welcome you into his family through repentance and faith. Be born again. Receive the Lord Jesus. Let someone know. Let us know this week. Follow Christ and follow him with all your heart. Take a bold step in the name of Jesus. Amen.